Hi everyone, my name is Caroline Palmore and I'm one of your producers for the Hardly Christian podcast. In a minute, our host Amanda will explain exactly how this works, but first I just wanted to thank everyone who's listening for your support or curiosity or whatever it is that brought you here. Welcome. In this first episode, Amanda and our guests Aaron West and Chris Zepp tackle the question, why are Christians so weird about sex? They touch on purity culture, sex education, and sexuality from their own lived experiences. I hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording. Welcome to Hardly Christian, the podcast where we explore all things, theology, God, the universe, etc., uh, without shame, or at least that's the goal. My name is Amanda, and I am here with two of my dear friends and theologians, uh, Chris Zepp. Say hi to the people, Chris. Hello. And Aaron West. I like how you call me a, the- a the- the- theologian. <laughs> However you say that word, that, I clearly am not. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> how many times have you told me that I am though? That that's the that's the best part. Eventually you're gonna believe. <laughs> we are all theologians. I firmly believe that. This whole hardly Christian project uh began several years ago with a Yelp review. One morning I was sipping my coffee, got a text from a friend who said, Did you know? You have been reviewed on Yelp. I don't remember what my response was. Um, Probably best that we don't know. But I do remember immediately going, finding the review on Yelp. It is lengthy. Um, It is a one-star review. It is not flattering. Uh, The individual actually reviewed sort of me and uh, the young church uh, that I serve. And... What I remember is what jumped out of the review was one particular sentence that says, this pastor and this church are hardly Christian. And I remember thinking that would be an amazing title for a book, a podcast, a project, an initiative, whatever. I'm holding on to that. So here we are several years later. I'm pretty sure that there is nobody else in my world right now who could have had me here to have this conversation except you, Amanda. Yes. Because of where I'm at right now, um, because the conversation of Christianity, I I feel like the word Christianity or Christian is a four-letter word in my brain. I I am so appalled by it and want to run so far away from it most days um that when you were like hey let's let's have a conversation okay cool we'll we'll have a conversation we'll record it awesome um but i think ultimately this is more church to me than church on sunday um and so yeah that's that's i think why i said yes was because i can i can i can be physically physically present in this space um, where I don't feel comfortable being physically present in a lot of other spaces right now. Um, Tell us about your day job. My day job. I am a financial advisor. Um, I a good one. I enjoy getting to meet my 
clients, my friends, my, um, the, the people that are introduced to me, um, where they're at, find out what their story is, um, hear what their goals are and help be a resource for them. That's, that's truly what, what my goal is. Um, yeah, that's, that's the day job. That's the one that pays the bills. Um, as far as, as background on me, um, I come from a very strict, um, religious upbringing, uh, family farm, um, heritage, uh, church on Sunday, um, read the Bible in multiple different, um, renditions. Um, when we read the message that was pretty liberal, um, to have that, that one thrown in there too. Um, but that's, that's my background. Um, lots of, lots of church, um, on lots of boards and commissions and committees. And we meet to talk about a meeting that we're going to have a meeting for that we're going to then have a meeting for, and maybe we'll talk to about what we want to talk about. Um, so yeah. And you're a lot of fun. <laughs> I never know what you're going to get. Same thing. Can you tell us a little bit about why you're here, uh, your day job and anything else that our listeners might find interesting about you? So, uh, I guess I'm probably here cause I'm a recovering pastor. Um, I was, uh, I was a pastor for about 20 years and, um, uh, what it's been like, about a year and a half. Um, I moved out of that and now I'm working with, uh, youth, um, English language learners in the middle school, which, uh, is many days a lot more sane uh, than the things I experienced in church, which <laughs> sends something about both communities probably. Um, but uh, I, I, um, I also, uh, I should probably say I work uh, with the Rise uh, Faith Community now as well, part-time and um, I'll, yeah, that's, that's probably enough about me. <laughs> I don't know. He's one of my favorite philosophers. This is how we're going to do this. We have a beautiful green basket. I wish you could see it. From uh, probably the dollar store. It has been with us uh, for 12 years. I do know that. Uh, in that basket are several questions we have uh, received from you in some shape, form, or fashion. So our producer is going to now pick a question out of the basket, none of us have seen it, and hand it to me. I will open said question, read the question, and then we're going to talk about it. The suspense. <laughs> Why are Christians so weird about sex? Why are Christians so weird about sex. You know what I love about sort of crowdsourcing anonymous questions like this is how incredibly honest people are. It's one of the few times people will say, all right, you want to you wanna know? You want to know what I'm thinking? Here you go. So I always think it's funny when there's this huge baby announcement like or pregnancy announcement of, hey, we're pregnant and we're going to have a baby. And then I think immediately like, wow, you just announced that congratulations, you had sex. 
are, are we supposed to applaud this? Is it, you know, is this something that, but it's just such an odd announcement. Maybe or... we should have announcements that we had sex. I mean, yeah. Or we're, or, or the announcement of we're trying to have a baby. Okay. So we're just, you know, lots of, yeah. So, all right, Chris, what do you think? I wish I knew the answer to that because we we are definitely a weird bunch about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it is, I think it is very closely tied to that word that you um, that you said already. That shame. I think that uh, for whatever reason, we have as as a collective people, we have come to like. Um, like embody this idea that we are shameful beings as we are made, like the ways that we are made, which um, is as a sexual person, mm-hmm. uh, as, as sexual people, um, but that that is somehow wrong, sinful mm-hmm. in and of itself. Um, and and so we we kind of constantly have uh, this sense of, of shame or redirecting of something that is uh, a part of our natural created beings. Um, so that's like, it's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a shame for being human. Yeah. What first came to mind for me, other than, man, I've wondered that so many times, um, is uh, power. I, I really think um, the things that uh, religious folks, Christians, w- whatever phrase you want to use, the things we are the weirdest about are often the things that have the most power over us. So there is something so indescribably powerful about what it means to be sexual um, and intimacy, vulnerability, all the things that come with sex, its power frightens us. Um, And for whatever reason, instead of stopping to ask why, instead of having the courage to hold spaces for healthy dialogue and conversation, we constantly pivot to shame. But yeah, instant answer for me when I heard the question or when I read the question was it's it's all about power it's all about power who has the power and control I think it's also being scared of what you don't know too and so I think that's where if we're just talking about sex and and talking about um where that comes in with Christians and and conflict of ideas maybe or or different thought processes or different um backgrounds um when it comes to homosexuality and sex and and talking about queer folks and gay folks and and what that looks like that's immediately you know that the unknown and and going you're taking your brain to the bedroom and taking your and where does that go and then that weirdness of christianity um i don't know if that's everywhere or if that's just that unknown piece uh-huh it's probably not unique to Christianity, but that's it. It is just woven throughout 
our story. Um, we definitely don't have a Kama Sutra like uh, another <laughs> world religion does. Yeah. You want to see some uh, Christians, or at least some Christians, freak out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet, I am thinking of the long list of clergy, church leaders, religious types who have been involved in a number of scandals, um, very public scandals, and a whole, whole, whole lot of them at the end of the day, maybe not all, but a whole lot of them in some way, shape, form, or fashion involve sexual acts, sex in some way. So maybe there, maybe there's something about this repressing thing we do. I don't know. Maybe there's something about this shaming thing. I, I, I mean, it definitely resonates with me because I think um, that when we, you know, we are all shadow and light. We're all, um, you know, kind of this this uh, often conflicting bundle of emotions and things, and we. Um, I think we need to embrace, you know, our, our wholeness, not only our, the things that we consider virtues, but, but those, you know, those things that we do not, which I think for many people is their sexual selves. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, um, that often becomes like a shadow side mm -hmm. and, um, it doesn't go away. It gets repressed. I mean, that, you know, the, the, those parts of us are always parts of us. And, um, I just think that it is at least in my mind, kind of a logical outcome when we spend so much time repressing a part, a core part of ourselves that it's going to come out. It's going to, um, it's going to be there. And, uh, you know, and I think it also magnifies, you know, whereas something that would be, you know, maybe shouldn't be shameful, but, mm -hmm. but is considered shameful gets, um, you know, gets repressed and then starts to take on all kinds of, um, has a life of its own in the shadows and the, um, you know, in the deepest parts that, um, I think twist and, and, and turn into something that is then scandalous partially because it's just not, we're not honest about it, that we are those things. So all three of us grew up shaped by, uh, church in some way. Um, various traditions, all in the great big global Christian family. Um, so let me ask you this. What messages did you receive, did we receive, um, growing up, spoken or unspoken, about sex? Particularly related from the church, but so often that all gets blended up, right? Like it's also your family. It's also your friends. It's, um, and we're all from relatively small areas too. I'm realizing, um, uh, that are kind of sort of on the rural side. Um, so that's interesting too. Um, but what, what did you hear? I often say the most powerful messages are the ones that are unspoken. Yeah. The spoken stuff is powerful, but there's also like an energy an uns unspoken energy that we absorb. 
<laughs> you both stare at me. Um, I heard nothing about sex. We didn't talk about it. It's a taboo subject. Um, it's, you know about it. You read about things in books. Um, I was given a book. Nothing was ever said to me. What was the book? I don't even remember. Okay. It was the same book. I don't know. It was like, you're becoming a woman or something type of a book. Um, I got a gift package on my pillow when I turned 13. Or maybe it was 14, 15, something like that. Um, and it, no, from oh. like, no, you're asking like family background. What did we, what did we learn growing up? Yeah, no, no, that was like, um, yeah, you're, yeah, being who you are and, and these are the things that you should know, but nothing was ever said. Like there was no, um, follow up conversation. There was no, um, no, yeah, nothing at home. Um, so it's like the tooth fairy came. Yeah. It was the sex fairy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was wrapped up, you know, with, with a, a pack of pads and, and a book of how to use them. And yeah, it, there was no, those are, again, taboos, conversations. That so it's more like the about. puberty fairy. It was all of that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and then when it came to, to religion, which was so heavily put on to my family structure, um, church every Sunday. Um, my grandparents were heavy deacons in the church. Um, New King James, you wear a dress, you, you pray before every meal, um, work camps and a national youth conference and memorizing the Bible and the books of the Bible and singing songs and, you know, all of the background um, is, is marriage um, is between two people that love each other and that's when you have sex um it's not just two people it's a man and a woman um so for me i i you know i struggled with that knowing that's that didn't sound right to me that didn't seem like something that felt good in my mind mm -hmm. um it was something that um you know it's it's pushed to this is how society needs to be it's how we further our humankind um and so mm -hmm. i i knew that mentally and physically i felt attracted to women um i knew that that's that's what felt right to me um i dated my first girlfriend um and just kept feeling the shame there behind you know i'm not doing something right i'm, I'm not this isn't this isn't what i'm supposed to do um, and so we broke up and, um, I dated a guy for three and a half years and, and every time anything physical came up, it was just, I found excuses to make it so that it didn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, the timing wasn't right. Um, but the, and going back to the, the church piece of it is, is that's, that was what I go back and I call my Jesus phase. I love Jesus enough. I was going to make this work and thinking back to, um, you know, I cared a lot about this guy. I could make it work. We could play house, but that's not that's not what was true within me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, going back to what I felt was it, I wasn't happy. Um, it was probably the darkest point of my life. Um, definitely felt like I would if I if I stayed in this relationship I was doing what my parents and what the church and what my family wanted me to do but it wasn't what I wanted and what I needed 
And if I chose not to do that, then I was disappointing everybody else around me. Um, lots of not great therapy, um, trying to be a good Christian, trying to suppress those thoughts and ideas. Um, thanks church. Thanks family. Um, now I'm an adult who needs, to, you know, lots of therapy to fix that. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's a lot of shame going back to what you said. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of, um, pressure for young folks. Um, you started out by saying you've seen what it does to, to the young folks and Hey, let's start talking about sex and what that, that conversation looks like too. So, um, definitely was not planning on diving into this deep of, you know, intimate details about my story, but Hey, here we are on an open book anyway. So, (laughs) well, I'm struck by the fact that, um, so much was unsaid to you in your most formative years, yet everything. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, is it worse to leave something on someone's pillow with no follow-up? Like, is it better to leave it and at least say, I'm trying, here is a special puberty package, (laughs) or is it more harmful to leave it and then never speak of it again? I I don't know. Uh, That's a hard call, but uh, I, I think one of my guesses is church folks, particularly folks who would identify as adults, um, have a very hard time talking about sex because they don't know how. We don't know how. The vast, vast, vast. I, I mean, I struggle, too, talking to my own kids. Um, and these are formative years that we should be talking about a lot of it. And, you know, we joke about it. And, um, I, you know, I bought my son a book and I said, we'll read it together. And he said, no, Mom, we're not doing that. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, we, we talk about the story. Tell me about Aaron. You know, the, uh, yeah. Um, at least you tried. Hey, I tried and I said, we'll do it together. You know, it wasn't just, here's a book, go read it. I offered that too. And he didn't want to do that either because that involved reading. But, um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Um, so we, we talk about what we see on TV. We talk about what we watch in movies. We talk about what we read in a book, in other books that are not sex books. Um, yeah. So, and and just life in general too. And yeah. I'm trying to utilize that, but I think we're all just screwed up renditions of the people that tried to raise us, and we just try to make it better. And I think if we all just keep trying to make it better, we'll eventually get there, right? What a hopeful statement. That's some good theology right there, <laughs> Chris. But do you have any memories of? Did the church ever try? Did so? I was. Um... I was comparatively like had it really easy um in a sense um i I came also from a rural pretty conservative background in the sense of you know farming community um good calvinist uh, my mother particularly was um uh you know cut off all of the things so like we did we we weren't allowed to work on Sunday and like I remember fights with my parents you know my dad was much more you make hay when the sun shines and if it's shown on a sunday you made hay and they'd have arguments about such things so mom had like the more like really structured rules and it was that's what you mean when you say calvinist calvinist uh-huh. like like the 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 high morality um and kind of the the life uh structure so um 
it was from her that I guess I had it. I don't remember a conversation, but I remember like it was made very clear to me that sex was for marriage and um and she was my first serious girlfriend that I had was um I I think she would have used the word harlot uh probably to describe her in terms of she was very concerned that she was going to lead me astray and I think that kind of goes into the church you know like this is somehow corrupting you know what is the and so this woman is going to you know tear ruin tear, tear the uh, foundation out from under my good christian boy um and um I will say she wasn't entirely wrong <laughs> um, <laughs> her read on this wasn't entirely inaccurate but um but uh you know so like in the midst of that they were also really supportive and like they would talk about things if we wanted um Growing up on a farm, you also have a like like you don't need to have the birds and the bees conversation. Like I knew how how the mechanics worked, um, you know. So uh, that you know that type of thing. Maybe that's why we never talked about it because I mean, it was it's, yeah, that was very like obvious what is going on you know, in our bodies and um, you know what that entails when you act on them. So you know, so those things were not ever uh, ever mysterious to me or um, you know kind of off you know, off brand. Um, but the church that I was most closely formed in, um, the church of the brother. And as you know, um, I had the really the good fortune to be in a, in a congregation where, um, the pastor spoke, um, fairly regularly about, uh, sex and topics of sexuality, um, from the pulpit. In a affirming way or a harmful way so i would say um i would say affirming um i i honestly so like the first memory that i have of this happening was pro i was probably like fifth sixth grade something like that um i don't remember the exact year um but i remember sitting in church in worship and the pastor speaking um very plainly about sex and how it is part of how we're made. Um, it is something that's often controversial and hard to talk about, but um, it, I, I remember the general impression I had was like, we can talk about this. This is not taboo. This is not wow. uh, something that is, uh, you know, uh, restricted to the, you know, kind of the, the, the typical Christian youth group of like, don't have sex, don't drink, don't, you know, it, it wasn't in the list of don'ts. It was how can we, um, you know, how can we um, talk about and live into this part of who we are as people of faith? And it was like a, a really, I would say, very rational cover. Some, the pastor we had was a very cerebral uh, individual. You won the, like, pastor lottery. Uh, That's so, so rare. Yeah, I was very fortunate in that. Now, I, I, I then, the story continues and I ended up working with him. He was my first pastor I worked with as part of a staff. And uh, I, I learned a lot more. He was actually the chair of our denominational study committee. And so there was a lot like, like he had taken on um, the, you know, the message that the church needed to talk about this. And so um, growing up, I mean, I had like, a, that was the first one I remember, but we had sex, you know, sermons every couple of years, probably. Uh, during that time growing up. And, and we spoke about homosexuality, a time when, like, 
we were the only church I knew that talked about it um, and had a, and had a pastor that was willing to engage the topic. Um, and so, well, in anything other than a, you know, con, uh, condemnatory kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I would say there was room for disagreement in what he was like. I, I think that's what he was trying to do was to, 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 to name where people are, maybe why they are and, and challenge the thinking. And it was very much thought based. It wasn't kind of the emotional content um, that I remember. And so that, you know, that, that was kind of a, a positive church experience, particularly from the pulpit. Now, you know, Christian youth group, we had Sunday school teachers that I, I remember being very like, you know, you're going to be wanting to do things, adult. <laughs> Basically, that was the, I don't know if they actually said those words, but I mean, that was the message, don't. Um, and then, and then. Natural urgent, suppress them. That was exactly, exactly the message. And, you know, part of it was the local, but part of it was also kind of the, the Christian climate in our culture of, you know, I mean, that was, that was the time of like the promise rings and those kind of things. And so like, it was a whole thing, um, that was cultural as well as, you know, so my, my local experience was different, but it was still flavored by that. It was in the water. It really, yeah. Um, and I'm very much old enough to remember. Yeah. And so I had, you know, I had kind of that mixed experience, but I, but I really think it was, it was important for me, at least in my own formation to have, um, to have a pastor that was willing just to talk about it plainly and without without a sense of shame without a sense of like we're going to talk about something that's really hard and like it was not it was just kind of like any other sermon that he would would deliver except this one had a topic about sex but it was about sex and how it inter intersects with our faith and how we live into um that part of our life so here's here's a question if that is the goal if if our goal is that every generation becomes a little healthier and just a little less weird, could you give any advice to religious communities, the church, Christians, about how to get just a little bit healthier and a little less weird when it comes to sex? Let's think really practically, as Bob said, baby steps. I think, I think so much of it is just authenticity in the sense of being able to be true to who you are and not necessarily um, the unknown and, and things only happen behind closed doors and things only happen in, in your imagination um, in the sense of, of having those conversations, being able to just, you know, throw something off a whim of of breaking down the stigma, breaking down the um the idea of shame, breaking down each of those pieces. But I think a lot of it is is just dialogue, being open to having somebody ask you questions and being able to um say, you know, I might not know the answer to that question, we'll figure it out, or this is what, what I know. This isn't necessarily what everybody knows is true, but this is what I know is, as being true. And let me help you figure out what yours is. So conversations. Yeah. Conversations. Dialogue, talking. Conversations. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to yell. All right. Chris, what do you think? So I could, I could very easily just echo what, what Aaron said. Um, 
I think a lot to authenticity and just being true to your own, um, you know, your own self and your own um, values and beliefs um, and sharing those being, I don't want to say completely transparent because not everyone wants to know what's going on inside your mind and heart all the time. But what I think, <laughs> I think that, oh, uh, you know, being honest about who we are and, and how we're wired isn't, uh, isn't a bad, uh, isn't a bad thing. But I think, um, you know, the other thing I, I really did kind of take to heart that example that I had uh, and I spoke about earlier in terms of, uh, speaking and, um, you know, as someone who had a position, um, that I, I had a voice and was able to, to do that for, um, you know, for youth, for maybe another generation, um, you know, just to, to normalize the conversation, to normalize, uh, the fact that this is this is a topic the church can talk about and not be, um, you know, not be shame based in it in, in that conversation, um, and uh, also I, I will also add, you know, um, I think a big thing that the church can do and probably culture can do as well is for people like me to shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say both sides of the same coin because I had that opportunity. Um, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm a straight cisgendered male, um, white, like I have pretty much all the privilege boxes you want to check. I've got them. And, um, I think the church has been, you know, pretty, pretty unilaterally, um, uh, one voiced in, in my perspective. Um, hopefully it's, I would probably be better if it was my perspective, my own perspective, but I think you know, in, in that embodiment of what I bring, I think I need to be more quiet than a lot of, and make some room at the table for others to, um, to lead the conversation as well. Thank you both. Incredible conversation. I think we've got this uh, weird sex thing figured out. Oh yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the Hardly Christian podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, you can find us at hardlychristian.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Hardly Christian. If you have any questions that you would like added to that fancy green basket, please send them to us in the contact box on the website or direct message us on the socials. Thanks again for watching. You are a gift. Now go and be a gift in a world that needs you.